Call it what you like. Episode four, spread love. I'm your host, Mike Jones. So we say spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Biggie said that years ago, and it's a mantra that always holds true when we talk about Brooklyn, right? Especially in this era of Brooklyn Nets basketball, it's something that's been embraced. So they brought that love down I-95. They brought it to South Philadelphia last night, the so-called city of brotherly love. We showed them what love really is, right? So this was a game that was built up with a lot of expectation, a lot of hype, It was uh, apparently the most expensive ticket that you can get for a Sixers game in the the secondary market in years. Uh, I believe during the broadcast, they were saying that it was like up to 4K, you know, for, uh, you know, a decent seat. And then up in the upper deck, it's probably like 500 bucks when you're in the nosebleeds. But nevertheless, that was something that Philadelphians look forward to for quite some time. I'm a little concerned about Philadelphians being able to afford, you know, their soft pretzels, you know, their water ice and the yinglings and whatever else they're getting into this weekend, you know, um, you know, they're not going to be able to really put the money down on, you know, on, on those uh, backyard tattoos that they all rock and all that. But let me stop disparaging the city of Philadelphia. Point being is they put a lot of money down to watch the Nets come in, the Brooklyn Nets come into the Wells Fargo Center and absolutely curb stomp them. Let's call it what it is. Call it what you like. The Nets came in. They had... They had a certain energy to them from the start of the game. They came to play. They came to make a statement. We know this was a game that everyone was talking about. Naturally, the Nets were looking at it, circling that date on their calendar since the trade. And and obviously, the Sixers were. They wanted to see Ben Simmons. No, we didn't see Ben Simmons on the court. We didn't see Ben Simmons on the court during the game in uniform. We did not see that. But what we did see is Ben Simmons on the bench in Philadelphia, which we haven't seen the entirety of this season since he first uh, made his trade demand and, you know, uh, made his trade and demand and and said that he wanted to to make moves out of out of Philadelphia and since his ill-fated playoff series versus the Hawks. So they came in and they had a lot of hate and they had a lot of anger and a lot of frustration and vitriol they want to project upon one Ben Simmons. Uh, but different than many of the other games, at least from what I've seen since Ben Simmons has been on the Nets, uh, he actually was on the court, you know, during the warmups prior to the game. I imagine he's participated in shoot around before. That's typically not something that we see any footage of. Fans aren't there. I don't know to whatever extent the media is there typically, but during the warm-ups prior to the game, I haven't seen Ben Simmons on the court in warm-up attire, you know, out there, you know, handling a basketball, dunking a basketball, you know, rebounding for his man, Patty Mills. And he came out with Patty Mills, which I thought kind of sent a message also. Patty Mills made such a point of their history together, you know, having a friendship, you know, obviously being, you know, countrymen from Australia and uh, Ben Simmons' dad coaching Patty Mills when he was much younger. So all those things you've heard now to see Patty Mills, Ben Simmons to come out on the court with Patty Mills side by side, rebound for Patty, who was going to have minutes in the game as opposed to Ben, who's who's still out. But he was there. He was there. and He was present. He made himself available to the Philadelphia faithful to, to rain booze upon him, chance, fuck Ben Simmons and anything else they had. And, you know, the whole crybaby thing they want to go to, which wasn't quite as, as creative as, as some of the things we've seen in the past. You know, the scorn fans. You know, when their former star returns, a la KD, going to OKC uh, way back when in uh, 2016 or 2017, whenever his first game there was. But 
We saw Ben Simmons on the court. We saw him on the bench. We saw him engage in the game. Uh, in fact, towards the end of the game, and I'm, I'm going to kind of move back a little bit, but I got to get lean into the Ben Simmons part a little bit. So we saw Ben Simmons at the onset of the game, um, you know, there engaged. And then later on the game, there was at one point, you know, when the Nets, you know, the game was in hand, you know, we might have been up by 25-30, which was kind of the margin of, uh, you know, the Nets advantage throughout most of the second half. I mean, they were just they were just putting it on them boys, man. James Harden was out there getting his ankle massaged and, and whatever else he needs because he always got something, right? But Ben Simmons, the ball kind of rolled down to the other side of the court, um, you know, a, a dead ball. And the ball wasn't really necessarily close to Ben, but Ben jumped out of his seat. He made sure he was the first one to get there to, to, to put his hands on the ball to toss it back to the ref. But before he did, he kind of held the ball aloft a little bit. And kind of, I almost saw him kind of like move his neck just ever so slightly, just saying, all right, hey, you want to boost some more? Because here, this is a good shot for you. You want to take a picture for the gram? Here's one for you. I got the Louis on. You know, I brought the the kangaroo, you know, uh, medallion out. Let him know I'm here. And they sit next to my boy, Patty Mills, my fellow Aussie. You know, yeah, we soaking this up. So he did that. He he held it. He held it for a note before he before he passed the ball back down court uh, to the ref. You know, so I, I kind of like that. But I think that was maybe something that he needed. You know, I love to talk about how uh, Kyrie comes with the sage routine. And I think we've had a lot of theoretical sage routines for different players throughout our team since the James Harden trade. And I think in this in this sense, for Ben Simmons to be there in Philadelphia, for you know our team collectively to shut them up to that extent that they could not get off a of Ben Simmons chant. And as KD said, it's kind of hard to be out here yelling, fuck Ben Simmons, when you're losing by that much. So for all those things that happened throughout the game, I think that was something that he needed. And inevitably, we'll see Ben on the court within a few days. I hope it's as soon as Sunday at home. That would be great. I think the time is getting near for that. And but we we shall see. But, you know, back to the game, back to how we spread love in, in, in South Philadelphia. At this point, it's been nearly three years since the clean sweep, since Kevin Durant put that announcement out via the boardroom that he was signing with the Brooklyn Nets. And still to this day, I still kind of got to shake my head from time to time to say, damn, Kevin Durant plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Our Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant. That's incredible. KD last night, he came out with an edge. It was clear he was going to be sending a message to Embiid, you know. And I got to love how chippy it is between them when they play. You know, those guys are going to get into it. They have a rivalry, okay. As much as KD doesn't want to say say it's not, and Doc says, I don't know if it's not or not, or is. But this is a rivalry, Okay, and I I respect the fact that players may regard rivalries different than fans do. Okay, because they're on the court playing. This is their career. They have a different perspective. Bottom line, they understand guys are moving from team to team. And 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 that's part of the nature of what the NBA is now. So it kind of maybe changes their way that the way they regard it. And also they may also look at it from the perspective of how it is when they were growing up, when they were fans, when they were watching the players that they liked, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, whatever. But. In reality, this is a rivalry. All it takes is a couple different things, particularly in the social media era when everything gets amplified immediately. It does not take much to form a rivalry. Okay, this is we're talking about New York and Philadelphia and it being the time that we are now, which is beautiful. It's it's the new New York It's Brooklyn It's Brooklyn, New York and Philadelphia. This is a rivalry. We have proximity to each other. 
obviously we see we're making trades. A, a guy who is, you know, supposedly a star on our team, he chooses not to be there anymore. A guy that was a star on your team says he doesn't want to be there anymore. And, and ultimately those guys are traded for each other. Another player who's a star role player and is, and I will say it again and again and again and again, an ascending role player, ascending star role player, which is Seth Curry. Get it out the mud, Seth Curry. You know, he's getting traded from one city and going up I-95 North to another city, Brooklyn, and he's getting traded from the team that's coached by his father-in-law. Okay, he's living in the city. His 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 wife is living in the same city with with, with her father, with his her father, and I, I imagine her parents as a whole with their kids. And they he's getting traded away. So you got all these different things going, right? It's a rivalry. Andre Drummond had a lot of run-ins with Joel Embiid over the years. Well, Joel Embiid, you know, was trying to punk him and wanted to go out. He he's he's Troel Embiid. He said it himself. That's how he identifies himself, and he is an excellent troll, and, and he's an incredible player. But he's definitely come at Andre Drummond a number of times, and they then they play together. Then he comes like, hey, I'm going to back you up. We'll team up together. You know, maybe you have a little camaraderie off what happened in the past, and you're trying to build some whatever. And now what happens? Now you get traded away. You're getting traded away. You're getting traded away to a to a home to a team. You know, uh, essentially in your hometown, being a New Yorker. I ain't gonna talk about the oxtails on Flatbush again. You know what it is. But Drummond, Drummond here to make some noise. Also, he's like, all right, you know what? All that shit you was talking before when I was on other teams, I signed with your team, and you want to you know lean into whatever happened in the past. But hey, we're brothers now. Glad to have you. But now, now we opponents again. You, I'm gonna let you feel me out here. Like I'm not gonna be pushed around. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these fouls off on you. But I'm gonna make things difficult for you. You're gonna score. You score off the free throw line. So all those things are great. But again, Kevin Durant from the Rip, he wanted Embiid to know what time it is. Right? I'm not making no eye contact with James. I ain't talking to James. We ain't getting no head nods. Ain't none. Ain't none that happened. I'm out here the ball, and the only thing he's directing, he's let, he's giving the whole Sixers that work. But he's not even directing. When he's getting busy, he's not even bothering to direct it towards James. It's all about Embiid. He's letting Embiid know. Like, all right, I'm going to come in here and try to take this charge. Oh, you getting a whistle? I'm going to let you know what it is, man. You ain't you ain't leaning to me that. You may be 100 pounds more than me, but I'm still going to step in here and take this charge and whatever. And he was popping that shit, and I loved it. Then you look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie was sending a message to Harden. All these things that we're reading, whether true or not, about any friction they had and you know, them going at each other practice, which may or may not be true and very well likely may not be true. But obviously we know the the underlying issue of Kyrie and, and him being unvaccinated and unable to play at home games and not being available in full, that contributed to, you know, Harden's wandering eyes, you know, amongst other things. But that was a significant factor. Absolutely. So the fact that they match up against each other tonight you know, Harden's probably thinking about this game. Oh, I'm going to come in and I'm going to make some noise. I'm going to do this or that. And I'm going I'm to let them know that, you know, I'm in Philly now. I'm up here with Joel and y'all got a problem. That was probably his intent going into things. It did not work out that way. Because one thing that you have to know about Kyrie is when Kyrie is matched up against certain players and there's certain storylines behind that, you know, such as the best example I have is looking at him and Steph Curry going at it during those, you know, the years the Cavs and the Warriors were going at in the finals, you know, over those uh, those three years, as well as all the other games they played. Naturally, every big national TV game, Christmas uh, and so forth, they were going to have a Cavs-Warriors game. And every, every one of those games that, that Kyrie was, was healthy and he was there for, 
he was trying to make life difficult for Steph Curry. He was showing more defensive intensity that you would normally expect to see from Kyrie game in, game out. So all of that was happening anytime those guys matched up. And this was very similar to that. You know, he was Ding up James Hard. Essentially, anytime James got the other side he, in offensive possession, Kyrie was probably within a forearm's length of James Harden. Okay. You know, he tried to uh to lose him, you know, lose him on a switch, you know, on the pick and roll. That didn't really ha- that didn't really work out that well because, you know, he he would go you would go under the switch and, and, and get right back on him. So I think it, it, it was beautiful seeing that and seeing Kai, you know, balling out, doing Kyrie things. I mean, Kyrie is a magician. He's an artist. He's painting beautiful pictures. He's Bob Ross. I've said this before. That is the truth. So we saw it yet again tonight, tonight or last night, rather. Uh, we saw all those things happen. And, you know, that definitely, I think, can galvanize us. Please, 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 Adams, this private employer mandate it is so contradictory of what's going on, the fact that this guy can now be a guest and attend the game at Barclays Center and go watch guys who play for other teams or unvaccinated play, but he cannot play at home because he's unvaccinated. All right, look, that's his choice. That's what he's, what he's decided. I think the time is now to allow him to play because we're at a different time in this whole thing. Let us live. I digress. The other part of this game that stood out to me and stood out to many others if they were paying attention, is the Brooklyn chant was ringing out. It was ringing out through my television, okay? I remember at one point, I had to make a note of it. It's about the one-minute mark of the second quarter, and Bede was on the free, the free throw line, and all you heard was the Brooklyn chant. You heard the Brooklyn chant ringing around the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. That is amazing. The Nets have no fans. There's none of us. Who are their fans? I don't know. There's somebody out there making this noise in opposing arenas. I mean, I, I, I witnessed it in the garden. I heard it on TV when I watched that game back at home. And now I'm here in New York watching what's going on, you know, 90 miles south in Philadelphia. And all I hear is the Brooklyn chant. All right. Another point I heard KD. KD was at the free throw line. Right. He made a nice drive going at Embiid, popping shit. And as they're showing the replay of KD, you know, fearlessly driving through the hole, easy money, slim reaper, and all that glory, what do you hear? You hear an MVP chant, MVP, MVP. You hear that going off in Philadelphia from Brooklyn being there, from the Brooklyn Brigade, from the block. And you got to love it, man. We was in there. And they, and this is in Philadelphia, Philadelphia that's known for all their, you know, raucous fans and all that, but we were there. Next point, maybe we should be discussing whether the Nets won the James Harden-Seth Curry trade because Curry just continues his ascension. He has a bigger role now. He's every stop, he gets a little bit better. He gets more comfortable. He gets more opportunity to make a a contribution and make his mark on the game. He's a great shooter. He's one of the best uh, three-point percentage shooters of all time. I think now, you know, at this point in his career, there's a good sample size that you can look at and says, all right, like this is legitimate, you know, and it, it should never have been questioned because, you know, the man's pedigree. But again, you're seeing that more and more. And, you know, and, and Seth was he, he was putting Tyrese Maxey in the spin cycle here and there. We saw that. And then on top of that, we also saw that when he was hitting some of these threes, my man had to, he did the slow stroll right in front of the, the Sixers bench. 
you know, I'm sure he shot the eye to his father-in-law a little bit. Like, hey, what's up, pops? How you doing? You know, you saw that video, you know, my daughter sent you yesterday. All right, that's what's up. All right, let me go back to whooping your ass. So, and he wants all the smoke. He wants all the smoke. You got to love it. And then at the end of the game, I have so many screenshots of Seth Curry and Kevin Durant sitting at the on the Nets bench just laughing. Just laughing, cheesing, cackling it up. You got to love it, man. You got to love it. It's one game. This is one game. The Nets are, the Brooklyn Nets are one game over 500. We are still in playing tournament position, and and we may stay in somewhat of that position. We got to win games. I think winning this game is big. It shows what we can do. The biggest problem the Nets have is not having a long runway to get things together, and obviously we hope to see Ben Simmons on the court very, very, very soon, okay, immediately. And hopefully we see Kyrie on the court as well. But this game just shows us what it should be and what it could be. All right, but Seth Curry, oh, man, love that. And, you know, I got a, one of my best friends who's in Philadelphia, diehard Philadelphia sports fan, naturally a, a Sixers fan, and me and him are just getting at each other constantly about what's going on out there about, you know, between, uh, you know, the Nets and the Sixers and, and all that. And throughout this whole thing, from the, tra- the time the trade was made, he's like, damn. He's like, yo, I'm going to miss Seth Curry, man. Seth Curry, you know, my man is tough. My man is tough. He's also light-skinned like him, so maybe that's part of it, too. Like, oh, look, it's like me out there. You know, that could be it as well. Shout to you, Jess. Um, but, you know, he definitely felt the way about Seth Curry not being in the squad anymore, and he knows that's a big loss. And and I've seen the gains. We've all seen what Seth Curry can do and the contribution he makes. He's a shooter we've been missing. Uh, Joe Johnson, excuse me, Joe Johnson. Joe Harris, okay, ISO Joe. That's a different era. Okay, that's the uh, the origins of the Brooklyn Nets, right? But no, Joe Harris is obviously out for the season. He's been out pretty much the entirety of the season, absent you know a week or two, and that's been a big loss. So to have Seth Curry coming in here now, hitting big threes and and being very comfortable in the moment, the moment's not never never too big for him, and he rises for that. He likes it. He wants all the smoke. You know what I'm saying? He heard Memphis ter- talking about climbing out the chimney trying to get to because they want all the smoke. And Seth's like, yo, I'm about that too. I'm about that too. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Call the fire department. We here. And then my man Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton, you know, we've had a lot of concerns about Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton, his maturity. You know, wh- what's his priority? Is he really prioritizing the games? He's working on the games. He's working on his body because he got a lot of knickknack things coming him out. And then, then after the trade, you know, he's posting, you know, uh, you know, I miss you, you know, pictures of him and Harden, you know, to his story. So I'm sure he was kicking it with Harden. I'm sure they was up in Dykeman or, you know, somewhere, you know, somewhere in some, you know, private strip clubs and doing a little party and thing, you know, doing all Harden stuff. You know what I'm saying? Take a selfies, little baby, all that stuff. So I'm sure he felt the way like, damn. You know, James is putting me on, man, you know. James got that 40 M's a year, so, you know, he's very generous and comes to party time. And maybe he missed that. But Claxton is getting his mind right. He was very active in this game. I think this is one of his best games in the season. And I, I'm not even looking at the box score. I had the box score open. I'm going to refer to the box score, and I'm going to try to do this right and make sure everything I say is accurate. Fuck all of that. I'm just going to speak. I'm going to let you know how I feel about things. So Claxton... I think, again, one of his best games of the season, he was active on D. He demonstrated his versatility. Uh, he put his body out there against Embiid, who you know probably has like 65 pounds on him, something like that. But 
he was active. He was very he was a very uh, integral part of the game, uh, particularly when Andre Drummond went out in the first half when Embiid stepped on his foot. He got his third foul. We thought maybe he'd be injured, but he came back to the game later. Uh, but you know, Claxton, I love what Claxton we got from Claxton. I like you know him kind of using that lankiness, using that length. You know, uh, you know his layup package was looking right. Uh, and then and then I got to transition to my man Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown has been an entirely different player since James Harden has left. So maybe this season he felt marginalized by James Harden. Maybe James, him, there was friction. Maybe the coaching staff really couldn't figure out how to utilize Bruce Brown's talents in concert with James Harden uh, in the proper way, particularly when Bruce Brown is not known as a, as a shooter. Okay, But nevertheless, since he's been gone, I think Bruce Brown has been rejuvenated. Okay, and he's just really been able to 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 blossom a little bit more in terms of what he provides. He's that much more active. I just feel like there's more there's more energy, there's more bounce. Uh, you know, he the short roll seemed to miraculously find its way back. You know, uh, you know into his game and all the things we expect about Bruce. Big energy. He's hitting corner threes. He's doing that at a decent clip recently. So all of these things are again working in our favor and are really, really positive things to see. And then James Johnson. James Johnson. Black belt James Johnson. Coming here like Bruce Leroy, okay? And he's he's really starring in his role, but he's playing his proper role. And that's such a key component of everything. All right. He's an energizer. He's an enforcer off the bench. He plays tough D. And then he also he plays as a point forward. He's like a secondary ball handler. So depending on who he's on the court with, you know, if he's playing, you know, let's say he's on the court with Kyrie or he's in the court with, with Drogic, who also had, you know, some good moments. He's there and he knows he can he can also, you know, push the ball on the break and do some other things that are needed. Uh, but I think he has a better way of doing that. I, what I've realized, I had gripes about him a little bit earlier in the season, particularly when we we're on the losing streak and him doing too much. But I think the thing is when there's there's no other all-stars that are available to play, okay, which is our team, what our team is built around. But those all-stars aren't there for him to play with. I think it kind of gets into a situation whereas James Johnson feels the obligation. I think the team, the coaching staff kind of puts certain responsibilities upon him, one, and then I think he personally feels an obligation to do certain things to initiate offense to try to, you know, make things happen. And sometimes that that doesn't have the best results, but I think again, sometimes role players, they star in their role and when they're put in their proper roles, they do exactly what you need of them. So um, you know, those look and in Drogic, Drogic is a is a vet, he's a pro, he took a nice charge from Embiid. He was active uh, he's a guy that just gets the respect of his teammates. It's clear. It's obvious when you see him out there, there's a certain expectation of, of competence and he's going to make a contribution. And, and when you're playing with a guy like Kevin Durant or you're playing with Kyrie, ultimately playing with Ben, you know, you're playing with LaMarcus Aldridge, you're playing with veterans. So those guys, they look, they like, and I think they feed off having other intelligent, wise veterans out there with them who know how to play and know how to make winning, you know, play winning basketball. So with all that being said, it was an excellent game, excellent win, wire to wire. I was looking forward to it all day. Anytime you have games that you're looking forward to, you're you're amp, you're amped about, you have this anticipation for, nervous energy, and then you actually get to see the, the game happen and the result come, you know, what you want it to be. Shit. That shit is great. So I'm feeling good. I think I'm riding high into the weekend off this. Um, you know, uh I really hope something changes in New York City and, you know, all these rumors that we hear, these hopeful rumors that we see floating around Nets Twitter that we're going to see Kyrie playing at home. 
that would be amazing. That would be great. I would love it. Uh, it would make me ecstatic to see that happen and see him ha- play on Sunday at home versus the Knicks. Oh my God, that would be that would be a gift. Uh, I don't anticipate that's actually going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. So this was uh, this was just something I, I had to speak on. I had to get my thoughts out about. I wanted to you know be part of the whole country, you know the whole the whole dialogue about it. And, uh, you know, it's all world. It's Nets world. Let's get after it. Let's go. Peace out. Call it what you like. Nets world, baby.